What in the name of NASCAR playoffs happened at Darlington? I'm Josh Roller, and my co-host is Rob Peters, and you're listening to the Racing with Rob and Roller podcast. Uh, welcome to the first episode of September 2023, and therefore we are talking about uh, the Southern 500, amongst a few other topics. That was a wild race uh, at, at Darlington on Sunday, and a wild race on Saturday for the Xfinity Series as well. Uh, but that wasn't the only action going on out in the teen world. Uh, Max Verstappen was not to be stopped at Monza, although Sainz put up one heck of a battle uh, in the early stages. Uh, Alex Below snaps a 17-year streak in IndyCar. And uh, as I just mentioned, 12, count them, 12 of the 16 NASCAR Cup Series playoff drivers suffered some sort of issue ranging from major to minor, uh, self-inflicted to horrible timing uh, in a Southern 500 uh, that that even experienced a red flag for light failure in turns three and four. Um, absolutely wild night. Um, we have silly season news and mo- many moments about, so let's go ahead and get things started here. Uh, Rob, take it away with your racing report. Hello everyone, I'm Rob Peters and this is my news segment of the show. Since I am a newsman, I get to do actual news reading at least once a week, which is always wonderful and I can never do it well. Uh, But anyway, I'll try again. I'll try anyway. Uh, We'll start off with some Formula One news today. Motorsport.com reports that Christian Horner said that it is unlikely that Daniel Ricciardo will be ready to race by Singapore, hinting that the Qatar Grand Prix may indeed be the moment when Ricardo is able to return to the F1 cockpit. As of right now, Liam Lawson is currently filling in for Daniel Ricardo. And quite honestly, I just think they should leave it at that. Just leave Liam Lawson in the car and call it call it a day. I mean, Don't honestly, he's going to... He's... I mean, look, I have watched the kid in Junior Formula and now in Super Formula. The dude is very good. He is very talented. To, and now he has run two successful F1 races by keeping his nose clean, too. Yeah, yeah. I think at this point, it, it's, it's safe to say that he's ready. And he's been ready. He's still ready. I Come on, let's go. Let's go. You know, hurry up. Uh, anyway, uh, before I get into another long rant, I'll move on into the IndyCar news. Chip Ganassi Racing has signed Linus Lundquist to the team full-time in 2024. So Lundquist has finally, finally, after winning the 2022 Indy Lights Championship, which they don't even call it that anymore, uh, they stole the WWE's version of naming developmental junior things uh, by calling it Indy NXT. Uh, but now Linus Lundquist, who won that championship in 2022, is now finally at long last getting his big break in IndyCar after subbing for Simon Pagano for basically the last couple of races and now throughout the rest of the season. Yep. yep. So very good, very very good for him. And then how about this? We'll get, we'll keep going into some Chip Ganassi racing news because team owner Chip Ganassi also confirmed after the Portland Grand Prix, literally to Kevin Lee, who had. Serious balls to ask the question in victory lane. And yes, honestly, did. though, honestly, though, where you might as well, right? You yeah. ask it in victory lane. The emotions for Chip are, are high. He's excited. Yep. He's celebrating. 
you could probably catch him at a little bit more vulnerable than in a press conference. So I get it. Um, and with that, Ganassi gave the answer to whether to Kevin Lee's question, which was, "What's the status of Alex Pillow?" Uh, and Ganassi said that he will be in a Chip Ganassi racing car next season, despite the impending court battle with McLaren, which is very good for Pillow, seeing that he is now a two-time champion. He's won two championships in the span of four years in the series. So he's literally batting 500. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm I, sorry. I went to a baseball game today. It's Labor Day when we're recording this. I was at a baseball game today. So now that was my first baseball analogy of the show that Alex Plow is quite literally batting 500 when it comes to racing an IndyCar and winning championships. So the interesting thing about that was uh, more so actually what was he? He said, did say in the press conference, which was very interesting, people kind of asked him where they thought his future was. And uh, one of the things that he said was he's happy now. He doesn't see himself leaving IndyCar or anything or anytime soon. But he was like, he also said, hey, I'm 26 and I just won two IndyCar titles. If people come, if Formula One teams come a-calling, I might be more inclined to go there at some point. So he left the door open for that F1 return, but it's it's going to be murky. But we, we know that there's now one team he's not going to drive for, for sure. Yeah. So there, it only leaves nine other options, and I don't see Red Bull or, honestly, even Mercedes picking him up. So, again, the doors are kind of closed here. Uh, more or less, so that's probably why he only left the door cracked open, and he's gonna stick around in IndyCar for now. But uh, hey, man, I'm saying if if a top team comes a calling, because I still believe firmly that at some point one of those two drivers at Ferrari is going to leave, and it's gonna be a very highly sought after ride that comes with massive risks. And I'm curious to see what happens when that happens. But we'll get to that in a little bit later. Uh, it's not relevant that much. So, anyway, I will move on to the next piece of news because there's more IndyCar news. And as I said, the silly season dominoes have fallen. We, so we've, we've known in the last week, in the last two weeks, three weeks, uh, since we've heard about Pelot, we've got uh, Ericsson announced... He's leaving Cassie and going to Andretti. Then you got this Linus Lundquist news going. He's going to Andretti. We know that David Malukas is not going to stay with Dale Coyne. And we know, according to Marshall Pruitt, that Takuma Sato is highly sought after as a Indy 500 driver uh, by a lot of teams. So we do know certain things are happening. Things are in motion. There's obviously other things that I haven't, that I probably forgot to or didn't mention. But there's one thing that did get released over the over the week. And uh, in all honesty, it's kind of interesting because I haven't seen specifically anything from uh, the, the, the driver. Uh, but it's been reported in the media. So uh, Roman Grosjean confirmed he would not return to Andretti Autosport in 2024. Which, like I said, it's very weird because I haven't... Like, I've seen Grosjean confirm this report to reporters, but, like, usually 
they put out some kind of social media statement. I, to my knowledge, I have not seen one put out by Grosjean yet. I have not seen one either, but maybe that's just where Andretti Autosports at. They're like, yeah, just tell them whatever, you know. And he, so he's, I would think, I just thought that he would have some kind of big pose, say, hey, thank you, Andretti. You know, I'm looking forward to see where I land, you know, exploring other options, whatever. I think when you look at the frustrations, um, especially the summer, Mm-hmm. With him not advancing and qualifying, and just, I mean, maybe it's just him, you know, maybe with the, the things we just, we see more of it with IndyCar because you can't go hide in a room and, you know, like he, like you can't in Formula One and yell at people. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the frustrations are seeping now. There's just like, there's no love lost, you know. Uh, I think he's just like, screw this, I'm done. I got one race left, right? Yeah, I think all true. He, I mean, if he if he's like put Jamie Chadwick in the car for all I care, you know, I don't know. Oh my die. lord! I think he I, well, just finally is starting to get cons- relatively consistent finishes, dude. <laughs> no. So I think that's just where he's at right now. It's just not he didn't care, and I think that's why he spilled the beans, whether it was in the moment or. Do I have permission to do this kind of deal? I think yeah. that's what's up. Well, anyway, I, I mean, it, it'll be just, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out because I don't doubt at this point that Andretti is, is, has probably let him go. I don't doubt that report. I'm just cons- curious because it, you know, like I said, it hasn't really been acknowledged by Grosjean to the fans. Right. You know, and usually you would think the fans deserves that kind of, Usually they get that. You know, drivers are pretty understanding that that's what the fans want. But there's this, there is this, uh, I guess, little tidbit. Motorsport.com reported that their sources, uh, I guess they have anonymous sources within the IndyCar paddock, uh, told them that Grosjean was seen coming out of the Dale Coin hauler uh, this past weekend in Portland. So... Uh, look, they're going to be l- looking for another driver in David Malukas. That is just a fact. Uh, you know, Malukas is not coming back. They're going to need another driver. Mm-hmm. Um, are they committed to Stingray Rob? I-, I think so. I mean, I've never known Dale Coyne or Rick Ware to be people to turn down a check. But... Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know, you know. I, I don't know what, what, what's going on there. But... Uh, but yeah, it would be interesting if Grosjean went back, but especially, I just don't know. Like, it's very, it's very interesting to me, personally, yeah. that Grosjean hasn't, like, this, this, it, it, I would think he would be a more highly desirable free agent, right? But again, he's been in the series for this long, and he has not won. Well, and I Whereas, think we'll talk more about this later in the show as well, and I'll kind of express yeah. my thoughts on it there. Okay, so. you're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, we'll move on, because uh, it's NASCAR time. There's some NASCAR time we got to get into. Um, Carson Hosevar, he's going to be at the number 42 uh, for Legacy Motor Club at Kansas and Bristol, and he finished 17th at uh, Darlington day. in the Southern 500. Yeah, no. Uh, His first 500-mile race. My gosh, oh, you're, you're, are you, and that's the hardest 
probably the hardest 500 mile race outside of Indianapolis to probably yeah. make your first real start like that. Yeah, like, I could not think. You did like, a great I can't, job. I can't think of like another track that would be more grueling. And I and I will this this is probably a shot across the bow of Noah Gragson, but I don't think Noah Gragson would have done that on Sunday. No, I, no. I, I think Carson Hosevar showed what what he's capable of by far. Remember when so he was I'm running, running well for Spire at Gateway before the yeah, yeah the, the mechanical problem? Yeah, the, before the break gave out on it look yeah. i think car carson is um it's gonna be interesting where you see where he lands next year i don't think it's gonna be cup but i think he's certainly in the conversation for a chevrolet ride in the xfinity series and uh i i i hope he at least take get some good consideration uh whether that be colleague or junior motorsports interesting interesting uh interesting segue I guess I guess you did that on purpose, right? I did because uh, our, our next our next uh, piece of news is uh, Matt DiBenedetto, who I have literally not talked about in a couple of years since he you know tanked his career at the end of twenty one, uh, has uh, announced that he's not returning to Rackley WAR Racing in twenty twenty four. He announced this in social media. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Kind of bizarre. I felt like. I, he has to have something else lined up, I guess. Uh, and that leads us into our next topic here. Um, and we will talk about this a little bit later on in the show. But uh, AJ Allmendinger could be in the number 16 Colleague Cup car in 2024. But he also could be back in the Xfinity Series for Colleague Racing. He hasn't really been specific on this. We really don't know. Mm. Additionally... Apparently, either Daniel Hemrick or Ty Dillon are potential candidates for colleague. But I've also heard a couple of rumors that said that this could be Matt DiBenedetto's return to Cup. I don't know. I don't know. That would be interesting. That'd be interesting. I don't believe that personally. I think that's just a rumor and wishful thinking on some that's of his fans' part. very good conjecture on whoever first tweeted that. Yeah, no kidding, uh, right? That is that's that's great. I mean, look, I, good 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 segue. You know, you mentioned you mentioned the the Almendinger thing, and and I I think uh, Matt Benedetto is if he's going to college, I feel like it would be Xfinity. Yeah, I, I don't right? think I don't think it'd be Cup. Um, that would be more logical, right? Yeah, and I'm just and I'm very surprised because we were. I mean. It definitely year over year with with Rackley WAR has 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 been improved right um has seen improvement they made the playoffs this year um they haven't won but they they pointed their way in um mm-hmm. and I know the uh, Rackley's the son who actually races has raced legend cars and racing late models he's not old enough to be in the truck full time so they, that's not a reason to be sidelining. Matt, yeah, um, it has to be his own choice, right? It has to be his own choice. Um, yeah, this is this is a very interesting, just move in general. Yeah, very, very, we'll, very we'll interesting. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll the last piece of news here. Uh, Denny Hamlin. Well, this was a big, big thing, big thing yeah. for a long time. We didn't know what the status of Denny Hamlin's contract was. We had no idea what was going on. 
Denny Hamlin has signed a, quote, multi-year deal to remain with Joe Gibbs Racing that was announced on Monday, today, Labor Day. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that kind of puts to bed a lot of rumors, a lot of, you know, there was a lot of people saying, oh, where's Denny going to go? Is he going to stay with JGR? Are they happy? Is he happy? You know, is he going to be like Kyle Busch and, and, and take off somewhere else? You know, it's um, it's very interesting, but very, very good, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll see if it remains kind of that same ideal with uh, 2311 now. Uh, we'll talk about that later in the show. Um, but yeah, definitely one silly season domino has now fallen in NASCAR. Yeah. Another one. And uh, we'll see how many keep going because the IndyCar silly season dominoes are still falling. And uh, we're just getting started on a lot of those cup ones. So a lot of this NASCAR ones in general, because a lot of the best thing I kind of love about the NASCAR silly season, too, is that all three series are intertwined now. I don't really like that because I, I mean, it kind of goes against what the truck series should be. But I love that it's all kind of intertwined. Like we're talking about Matthew Bennett. Is he going is he going to stay in a truck? Is he going to expand it? Is he going cup? What Zane Smith doing? What is Riley Herps doing? Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of question marks out there. Let alone, okay, now AJ. So, um, speaking of someone who doesn't have a silly season question mark, um, scored his second major win in NASCAR. Uh, his first was the Coca Cola 600 back in 2021, uh, a race I watched him win and and, and just spank the field. Uh, Kyle Larson, uh, one on, one on Sunday, Southern 500, finally got the cup win at the Lady in Black, uh, something he, I mean, how many times have, have we said, man, I think it's just Larson's year to win at Darlington, you know? I mean, there's been, there's been several of them when he's at Ganassi and now here with Hendrick. Finally getting the win there. So I said, you know, let's do standout Kyle Larson paint scheme of his career. Um, and, and there's certainly been a bunch, uh, Rob, I'm not surprised at your pick because you've mentioned this, I think more than maybe any other paint scheme on this show. Uh, I I could be wrong. Really? I don't think so. I talk uh, about how much I like this type of paint scheme, but I don't think I've actually mentioned it this month that much. I, I'm not going to go back and listen to 194. No, I'm not either, but we have, we have, I'm certain we have some diehard. Yeah, um, I, I, you might have mentioned this. You've at least mentioned this one 10 times. Can I put that number on there? I feel yeah, like that's a pretty good number. I still think that's a little too much. But I, think, I feel like I'm spot on on that one. But Rob, what's your pick? Okay, well, um, because I have and always probably will love uh, the white target schemes not to say that the the red ones weren't bad i like the red target schemes as well but i just think when you invert it i think Mm -hmm. it looks better i just really think it does and that's why i think that the uh the target cars from chip ganassi racing in 2002 three and four Mm. were magical they were Mm. perfect and five when they got to 2006, that's when they started to be terrible. But those years were good, especially that paint scheme on the Champ Car Lola, the Cart Lola. I mean, mm-hmm. oh, oh, mama. Kenny Brack's paint scheme that year and Bruno Jancaras. Absolutely beautiful. But that's not what we're talking about this week. We're talk- still talking about target 
a target paint scheme that Kyle Larson drove. And getting his first cup experience back then uh, is was in 2013 when a fledgling team that has just bought out James Finch's operation, H. Scott Motorsports, decided to rotate its bevy of drivers. And Kyle Larson was one who had full sponsorship by soon-to-be uh, sponsor Target uh, to sponsor this number 51 Chevrolet SS. Now, he drove this car, uh, at least according to Jayski, there's two instances of this car, uh, at October, uh, the October Charlotte race, and then uh, later in Martinsville. And actually, I'm going to um, just check this out real quick because I need to find out if he ran any more races that year. But I will say that I love this paid scheme, and I always have, and I think uh, Juan Montoya... Uh, I believe he uh, he ran one similar to this, and then um, so did uh, um, so did Larson later, uh, much later. Uh, but uh, anyway, here where he, where, here we go. Yeah, he ran Charlotte, Martinsville, and Texas, and Homestead. He finished fifteenth at Homestead in that number fifty-one. Beautiful, beautiful car, and it's and it's it's still great. What year was this again, Rob? Two thousand and thirteen. Didn't he like come in like it, top five in the truck series that weekend too at Homestead? Let's find out. I think he did. Nope. Wait. Twenty thirteen. Nope. Uh, he, he did not run. He did not run Homestead in twenty. I must be thinking of twenty twelve. He finished second in the Xfinity race, not the truck uh, race. He was not uh, entered okay. in the truck race, but he did finish second in the Xfinity race, um, which solidified him as eighth in the points. Um, and then he finished third there the next year in 2014 before winning it in 2015. Okay. And then he finished seventh and hasn't entered it since. Anyway, that's a fun fact about Kyle Larson. Uh, yeah. Because you're right, it is crazy, in my opinion, to think that Kyle Larson has now won the Southern 500, and it, and it, but it, it also feels normal. Like that, that's something that should happen. Like eventually, I just feel like Kyle Larson is going to just keep winning crown jewels. Like he's got two of them now. Yeah. He's got two more left. And apparently, according to Bob Pockris, the Brickyard is coming back. So he's got a chance at that now. So yeah. now he's just got to win Daytona, and that's going to be probably the hardest one to win. That is, um, yeah. Just because of how it is, but oh, could he win at Indianapolis? Oh, hundred percent. Oh, hundred percent. That is like yeah. well, look, I look mean, how he runs at Pocono. He runs really I mean, good yeah. at Pocono. And plus, the dude's gonna race race it in in an Indy car, so mm -hmm. he's literally gonna have more laps on the track, albeit in different cars, but still more laps on the track than basically everybody else. You know, and it's and it's gonna be interesting to see. I know I don't want it to happen because the Xfinity series shouldn't be on the oval, but let's. Let's play devil's advocate and say if Xfinity was racing the Oval in 2024 at Indianapolis, right? How many Cup guys would want to enter that race just to get extra laps? Right, a lot. I mean, I I I I am a firm believer that it should be you know truck arc at IRP Xfinity either at IRP or the road course at Indy, and then you know, Oval will be left to just to Cup. But just just kind of throw it out there. That would be one that Kyle would want to enter and get some practice in i'm sure so um yeah i think that that's a 
That, that's a very good point. Going him after all those crown jewels. I mean, hey, hey, man, he's. I mean, he's got how many of them in dirt racing? He's got. He, he's got Chili Bowl. He's got Knoxville. He's got. Uh, he's got the Hoosier Hundred. He's got literally the last ever Hoosier Hundred. Yep. Like, no one's gonna take that away from him. Yeah. It's just going to keep coming for him. All right, Josh, what is your paint featured paint scheme, your standout Kyle Larson paint scheme? You know, I, it's, it's, it, we, 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 we've talked about him winning the Son of 100 here. I think we've, it's, it's hard to believe it's only been just about three years that Larson's run for Hendrick. But, and <laughs> I feel three, for, think about what, what we thought of him three years ago, too. Like, about, yeah. like you could not literally imagine doing, a standout Kyle Larson paint scheme three years ago, and yeah. the way he has just recovered, and and the things that he has done, the advocate he's done, so it adds to his character, in my opinion, the things yeah. that he's done, and that's the the work that he's done to not just reboot his career, fix his career, but then also quite literally make amends and pay reparations and do the right thing, like be a man, do the right thing props on him for that but you're right it has been three years since he's been running for hendrick because quite literally too before he was running with hendrick i i don't think that any of these wins were possible let alone right. a championship and i think with that it what i was trying to you know you, you you kind of summed it up there we forget he drove for ganassi and i think we forgot some of all these great schemes he drove under the 42 banner whether it was cup or Xfinity, and I'm picking one here. One scheme that will always scream Kyle Larson to me is Enios Chevrolet that, that he he drove several times for four or five seasons. Um, and I'll just here I'm picking the 2014 one because I think it was the first it was the first year he ran it. Um, and at this time it was under the the Turner Scott Motorsports banner. Um. But I've always been a fan of this orange and red uh, with the white 42. It's just, it, I, I wish, I'm sure there's die casts of it, but I'm sure they're also like really, really expensive. And uh, I, I'm not sure I want to shell out um, like 300 bucks for, for this particular die cast for, I mean, not necessarily against Larson, or, but uh, he's not my guy. Um, so I don't know if I want to shell that out for, for, for that car, but you know, I, I just always love this. And there was a lot when he was when it was Turner Scott and H Scott and later getting there were some great schemes in the Xfinity series for this 42 car, whether it was Larson driving or not. But this one was always a great one, always liked this one. Um, and uh, um, he did win that year in this in this car, um, at Charlotte, and then he'd win three more times in these colors, um. I think through 2018. So, um, yeah, I, I've always liked this one. Always stood out. I remember the first time I saw it, like on a paint scheme preview, I'm like, ooh, that's gorgeous. And uh, it's uh, it one of my favorites. And I do think of this one still. It's, one of, it's probably one of the few paint schemes now we think about. I think about pre-Hendrick Larson out there. And, and that's that's crazy to think about that a guy can go win. I think he won six races with with Ganassi and now he's won 16, I believe with, with Hendrick. 
now. Uh, and it, it feels like that's just erased that memory. So that's just pretty well, pretty wild. Um, all right, on to, uh, on to the debate section of our show. The upshift-downshift segment. Uh, thank you for tuning in today, for anyone who is new. Um, and, uh, you know, Rob keeps telling me that, uh, our audience is, is slowly growing and that's fantastic. Uh, and, and for what, however that's growing, especially if you're doing word of mouth and saying, Hey, you need to listen to knuckleheads. Um, and we just appreciate you t- t- tagging along. So if you are new to the show and they didn't get, and your friend didn't give you a warning on, Hey, this is how it's going to work. Uh, upshift downshift is again, the debate segment upshift. You agree. Downshift, you disagree, we can absolutely throw it into neutral. Might happen a time or two here today. Uh, we'll have to find out and see. we got a good slate of questions here for you. Um, so let's go ahead and, and get started with question one. Do you upshift or downshift that 2311 Racing will buy a Stuart Haas Racing Charter if this team decides to put on, put on one or two charters uh, of theirs on the market? So, Rob, how, do you, how are you shifting on this one? Oh boy, this is a very, very interesting question. So we've this is this is an interesting thought. Um, if Stuart Haas does put their charters on the market, which is their rumor to, apparently they they want to put at least two charters on the market, which is crazy. Um, and I am surprised that they would bail on two of those charters, but also given their performance and given the economy of NASCAR and given the fact that they are not willing to hire pay drivers, it perfectly, in me, in my opinion at least, it makes sense that they would at the very least sell the 10 charter because they really don't need that. They haven't needed it. Uh, and this is coming from someone who genuinely liked Danica as a driver. As a person, not so much. But as a driver, did like her. Um... And and so I can say that, yeah, the 10 car is needless, and it has only existed so long as there's funding to it. Uh, the only reason that that car was not shut down at the end of 2017 was because Smithfield wrote him a big old check. Yep. And that's, I mean, I, I, that's it's pretty much what happened. So uh, I think that, yeah, if Stuart Haas is going to put one of their charters on the market, I think the bidding war is going to ensue. And I do believe that uh, 2311 will be one of those people who would bid on that. Now, if they do go the extra step and decide to put another charter on the market, say the 41, which would be crazy. Crazy to think about. But not impossible, unfortunately. Um, then I think the bidding war would not be as high because there would be two on the market, obviously. Um, so I think, uh, at that point, it would be more likely for 2311 to do that. However, because of the news today that Denny Hamlin, uh, is re-signing with Joe Gibbs Racing, and because I think that Stuart Haas will only put one charter on the market, that being the 10, uh, I would, I would have to downshift this. I don't think that that's going to be a priority for 2311. They've got two cars now. Kurt Busch is not able, unfortunately, to make a full return. Now, if he was, let's say something different happened. Let's say Kurt Busch said, oh, hey, yeah, I'm going to be fine, but it's, it's, you know, it's just going to take me another couple of months. You know, it's going to take me another half a year, six months or something. Then I could see them saying, yeah, okay, let's go get a charter for Kurt. 
let's go make sure that Kurt can get a charter. And then, you know, when Kurt's ready to step aside on his own terms, then we can evaluate what we want to do from there. Um, but because that's not the case, because that's not happening, I have serious doubts that they're going to even need a charter. So for that reason, I'm going to downshift. How about you, Josh? Well, there's just a lot of variables to this. I do think, um, I, I do believe, I believe it was Justin Marks who was talking about this at one time, or maybe it was Denny. It was one of these two, one of the two guys. That that they're saying that it's impo- it's darn near impossible to run a four car team anymore because of how expensive it is, um, and, and you just have to have the funding. And um, I do believe that both those guys want to get to three teams. They want to have three and run, you know, maybe like a fourth team part time Project Ninety One style kind of deal. Um, I. I I think it, it's just it, if they put up, let's say Stuart Haas is probably going to put at least one up for sale, and the bidding war is going to be between twenty three eleven and Trackhouse because those two probably have the most money and uh, willpower at this time to go out and get that other charter. I think the next team in line would be RFK, but they're not ready for that. I don't think they have the uh, the financial standing. At this point in time, and I think Brad would almost be more interested in expanding downward into Xfinity and Truck than expanding their cup program. So, either way, Stuart Haas Racing puts up the 10 charter. It's going to come down between 2311 and Trackhouse. I don't think there's going to be some outside force come in and, and want that charter. It's going to be between them. If they put two up for sale, then I think it's Trackhouse and 2311 for sure. Um, and, and no one says you have to run it next year. All you gotta do is you can lease it out. Right. So what does the market look like? Can, can Stewart, can 2311 or release it out if they don't need it? I do believe Denny wants to get to that. And I do believe Denny's time with Joe Gibbs racing is short, is shorter than what his career is left in the cup series, um, or his potential career left the, the desire is a question you know does how, how long does that desire last i think i think it's time with jgr shorter than than that length of time so he wants to continue to race the the easy option is to go to uh um his own team and i think the other question you got to ask is is this a bigger ford move i think ford doesn't want to obviously lose the car count but I think they might have to sacrifice. If, if it becomes down between 23 and 11, now obviously they can. Trackhouse is offering you 20 million more dollars. Say no to that and give it to 23 11 because in the long term, they're going to be a 14. Right? There's a lot of things going on here. But yes, I do upshift that I believe they will go after it because it's in their best interest to have. Uh, you never know when the next one's coming up for sale. And there's no guarantee, unfortunately, that in the next 10 years that NASCAR is going to add four charters. So when one goes up for sale, you kind of got to go for it. And right now you have the upper hand financially um, to do so. So long-winded answer there, but that, that's how I feel about it. Uh, next one. Logan Sargent finished 13th at the Italian Grand Prix compared to Alexander Albon's seventh place. Do you upshift or downshift? That sergeant returns to Williams in twenty twenty four. 
Well, this one is such a hard one because of the state of F1 and how drivers are treated nowadays. I mean, it's quite literally, if you don't perform immediately, buy. Go go to IndyCar, you know? Or yeah. go to go somewhere else. Go to sports cars. Buy. We don't need you. And it's it's really upsetting. It's really frustrating, especially the way Nick DeVries has been treated. And then the fact that Liam Lawson is now finally getting a, an opportunity. Like, he should have just been in the car from the get, from the get-go. Like, they shouldn't have bothered with DeVries, Ricardo, any. They should have just shoved Lawson in the car and called it a day. But they didn't. They had to make things more complicated and do whatever they thought was smart. And then in the long term, it just ends up creating an inconsistency within the team. Do I think Williams is going to do that? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's got American owners now. Okay? And I got to imagine the American owners like having an American in F1. That is, yeah. at the very least, I mean, yeah, sometimes, usually he's at the back of the field, but I think a lot of that had to do with Williams' just car. I think they've upgraded the Williams quite well in the last year and a half, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's better than, than what it was. Sold, yeah. yeah. So the, the real thing you have to look at is where is his pace level to album? You know, and, and right now, unfortunately really not close and i hate that because i touted logan Sargent for years like i literally built this show on how logan Sargent was going to be the next f american f1 driver and it turned out to be true and i never said he was going to last long either so um unfortunately i i downshift i don't think he's going to return to williams um, I think that they will go and grab someone that can match Albon's pace. Um, but I'd like to be wrong. I would. I, this is a situation where I'd really, really like to be wrong. But because I know how cutthroat F1 is, I, I, that's what my gut is telling me. So what about you, Josh? Um, I'm going to downshift as well. James Val's team principal for Williams has been very vocal about um, budget gap. Uh, budget cap, excuse me, and the gap in the budget. I think they're going to go after some way, go after someone that has bringing more funding. Um, there's obviously some things wrong, in my opinion, especially to listen to James and and then listening to the rebuttals by other team principals. I do believe there's issues with the budget cap and certain spendings. Uh, things that aren't covered and are covered that should be tightened and loosened. And right now, I think every dollar counts. And if they're able to go out there and find somebody that brings more money than Logan, that's a win for Williams. Um, I think that's the biggest thing against him right now. I don't... You mentioned them. You know they have American owners, but I don't think they are really interested in, in having an, an American driver necessarily. They want to see performance. And Albon, I do believe Albon's getting the better end of the deal when it comes to upgrades. I do believe that because he's experienced and he's clearly making it work. He's getting, he's he's grinding out top tens. He's grinding out points, and that's what's going to matter at the end of the day. Um, and I think I think they just got to find someone who's got brings more money. If you're not going to get me points, I need money, right? I need money. 
So album, you're getting me points. I got to find a driver who's going to bring me money on your, as your teammate. So I think that's where we're at. I, I hate it for Sergeant. I do. Um, I think he's kind of got the raw end of the deal because I think James Valls is walking into a situation where he's having to rebuild a team that's already in a stage of rebuilding that has rebuilt and it is performing far better than they were three years ago. But they're still, they're just behind uh, technologically. And that takes money to find that, that technology. So unfortunately for Logan, I downshift. He's not going to be back at Williams in 2024 and he won't be an F. Uh, Next one, RFK Racing finished third and sixth at Darlington in the Southern 500. Do you upshift or downshift that they are underdogs in the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series playoffs? This is this is such a good question because, you know, yeah, they have been having really, really good finishes. But only Chris Buescher has won. But he's won three races. But Brad hasn't won yet. But Brad made the playoffs. He pointed his way into the playoffs. It's it's so weird because it's like, okay, I think Chris Buescher, by all means, not an underdog. I think Chris Buescher should be entirely taken as a favorite, right? Someone who can go very deep in the playoffs. Brad, however, Brad is probably the underdog. So it's very interesting because when you look at the team as a whole, you know, I, I wouldn't call him an underdog team, but I would say... Brad is the underdog here, not the whole team, and it's very hard. So, uh, it it it, eh, yeah, I I don't think that they're underdogs. I think Chris Busher's pace and the fact that he has three wins, which is not easy to come by in modern NASCAR. Period. No. And these, it's it like like yeah, okay, you could say Daytona, but um, also Richmond and Michigan are hard tracks to win, um, and they require. Uh, you to basically execute perfectly on your pitch strategy or else you will face the consequences. Yep. Ergo, those are, I would say, very legitimate wins. Uh, and then at Daytona, which you can question the legitimacy of that all you want, but they did draft each other to the front and basically prevent anybody from getting a run on them for the entire last lap. So that takes, number one, a lot of coordination, teamwork, and horsepower to do that. I don't think they're down. They're undershift. I downshift. I don't think that they're underdogs. I think that they are entirely their favorites. Their favorites. Uh, I don't even have to question this one. I downshift. They're not under. Brad finished fifth in the regular season points. And I think Jeff Burton said it best in the TV, sh- in, in TV broadcast. If you think they're underdogs, you haven't been paying attention. I, I, on Friday was um, my, my, my friend down here uh, who works for RFK, um, uh, Brian, who actually subbed on the show uh, when Rob was on his honeymoon. Uh, we, uh, y'all watched that episode. Um, we, we all kind of got together at, at, a, at a bar uh, here in Charlotte and we're talking. And, and I said, if you compare your first 13 races of the year to your last 13 races of the regular season, you had more... Oh, we missed that in the first 13 than the last 13. I think I don't think they're underdogs by any means. I think they're legitimate contenders. I think the one mark you could say is that Brad's not going to be selfish and he's he'd rather he'd rather push his team car 
to the win and finish second 36 times a year than win. I think that's wild, and that is so rare. I don't think there's another driver out there in the field who would be willing to push his or her own car to victory 36 times a year and finish second 36 times a year, but Brad is. I think that's what's going to hold Brad back. But that doesn't mean you're an underdog. That just means you're, you're, that means you're not selfish at all. So, no. RFK, I think they're legit. I do. I do think they're legit. They have great leadership. It's just, I know the playoff prediction last week, I think I, I had them both exiting around as 12, but it was so hard to pick the round of 8 and round of 12. It was so hard. And you, and you just kind of go by gut, but at the same time, my head is telling me that they're not. They're going to go to round of eight. We'll have to see. It's going to be very exciting to watch. Uh, next one here. IndyCar waited to throw the caution for Augustine Canapino to seemingly allow Felix Rosquist to make a pit stop, which angered Scott Dixon. Do you upshift or downshift IndyCar waiting to throw the caution? Rob. I don't like the fact that this is not the first time that they've done this. This is definitely, I don't think it's the first time this season, and I don't think it's the first time in, you know, you know, in the series history that it's happened. Um, and it seems like they tend to do this more often than I like. Uh, I think the fact of the matter is, uh, when a car, when it's very clear, especially in the situation, if, if you're looking at, especially at this situation, Canapino spun. And not only did he kick up a bunch of dirt and debris onto the racetrack, but then he also stole the car. Okay? So, number one, the dirt and debris probably should have warranted something quicker than it did. I mean, do you, do, is it really a good idea to have the... I mean, this is a, this is a relatively high-speed portion of the racetrack. You know what I mean? And, and it's, it's a portion of the racetrack where you really need grip. Uh, it's really, you know, in my opinion at least, a safety hazard to not throw at the very least a local yellow in that location um which i'm sure they did but uh, i i i just i didn't like i didn't like that um especially in that situation i think if canopy it's very clear that canopino installed the car it's very clear the car was not beached but stranded um and at that point it does it becomes a safety issue as soon as that car comes is stranded you've got to throw that yellow you throw that yellow immediately because the worst thing that could happen is a car hitting a, sta- a stationary car. Like, that is worst-case scenario, hands down, because you don't know what could happen. You know, you don't know what's going on. You don't know how that would have, you know, what, what the effect would be. It, all I know is it would be bad. So I, I 100%, I downshift this. This was a bad call by IndyCar, um, and it's not the first bad call that they had. We'll get to that later. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, race officials, man, officiating is, is, I haven't seen it this questionable in a while. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm not saying it's 2010 levels bad, but it's bad. <laughs> what about you, Josh? What's your take? Well, it, it, it's, here, I'm going to actually throw a NASCAR reference. Now, often do you say that any car should take inspiration from NASCAR? Oh, but, um, oh. let's, let's, let's. NASCAR hesitate to throw the caution when they thought issues were happening with Ryan Newman on on Sunday night. No, when I got when I had smoke go up, 
Caution came out. They didn't care. Oh, we gotta make sure Kevin gets to pit road. All right, now throw it out. Nope. There was nothing about that. Nothing at all. The car was in a dangerous spot. Yeah, because you mentioned it kicked up debris. And I personally am tired of NASCAR playing, or IndyCar playing, oh, well, you know, make sure everyone pits. Is it a caution? Are you going to throw a caution? Yes, it's go we're going to throw a caution. Okay, throw it now. It's a dangerous situation. That doesn't mean there's a clock before it becomes a dangerous situation. It's a dangerous situation instantly. Throw the caution. If you get caught out and, and you're kind of crap out of luck, that's racing. That's racing. That's exactly what happened to Kevin on Sunday in, in, uh, at Darlington, right? Very good point. You know, it, it hurt him. And, you know, if, it, if, they, if they wait a second longer, he absolutely okay. But they didn't. He did not make it to pit road. William Byron nearly was caught uh, making a commitment line violation, right? But he didn't. Kyle Larson was able to react. He didn't have it. They waited longer. It's William Byron that gets the crap, right? So here's my thing with a caution. Obviously, you do have to take judgment into call into consideration. Um, the track and the area. You know, I, I'll rewind it back to Pocono when Ryan Priest spun in between turns two and three, and NASCAR waited and waited and waited. He got fired. But in IndyCar, at that particular location, you have to throw the caution. And there's not really a good area at, po uh, at Portland where it is okay to wait. I'm I, Here's what I'm tired of with when it comes to IndyCar and their officiating, making sure everyone gets to pit road. That's just, that's dumb luck. That's racing. And if three cars are left on the lead lap, well, you know, their fortunes can absolutely change later in the race where they pit and others stay out. And then, hey, the caution comes out. And now they're 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. And the guy who was running fourth one lap down two laps ago is now the leader. And they get a pit. And they get a keep, and they get fourth and they're on the lead lap again. You know, that's just the way racing goes. IndyCar's got to clean this up. Um, they need to quit favoring the field and make sure everyone this isn't California where everyone's a trophy, okay? You gotta you got to call it like it is. If it's a dangerous location and it's a dangerous predicament for a driver and also other competitors on the racing surface, you got to throw the caution immediately, no waiting around. And it absolutely was unfair. This a secondary with Scott Dixon blowing up. I love seeing Scott Dixon blow up. I don't think of the last time I I can't remember the last time I, I saw Scott get mad like that over the radio. But I appreciated it. And he was one hundred percent right. And if I was Scott I would have marched to the, the IndyCar hauler right after that and lit them up and said, look I'm gonna I'm gonna sling my six championship trophies here around. And you're gonna listen to me for a second because this is stupid. Okay, I'm gonna gonna move on now to the next question before I get too big into a rant. Uh, that would just waste more time. Uh, next, <laughs> oh, next it's one. not like I haven't done that basically like every single show in the entire history of this show that is approaching. Uh, how many episodes are we about to hit? This is, this is episode one ninety five. 195. So we are literally up to 200 episodes, almost 200 episodes. 
and I have gone on a rant and gone off topic in almost every single one. And Josh, because you almost do it once, it's you. You can do it. You can do it. It's okay. Okay. It, 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 it was a little bit off subject, so I was I was going to hold it back. I, I I might go off on a little bit more on this one. Next one though. Um, Sam Mayer blamed brake issues. He wasn't able to relay to his team due to radio troubles while owning the mistake of hitting Parker Kligerman and spinning him, causing a 20-point swing in the playoff cut line. Do you upshift or downshift this, Rob? Oh, downshift. Dude, Sam Mayer, you just spun the dude. Just admit it. You spun him. You spun him. You didn't care that he was playoff driver. That he was he was trying to get in. You don't care. You've already got two wins. You don't care. What do you care? All you did, all he did, was try and grab track position, and that was it. That didn't even end up it result in in him winning the race. Like, man, I I just brake issues, brake issues. Real, really, really, really. I think you only need to use your brakes at Darlington, entering turn three, and the rest of the time, uh, you can basically just get off the throttle. Correct me if I'm wrong, but given the fact, you know, but, but that's because, because the, all of my experience comes from iRacing equivalents, uh, so I, I, I could be wrong from a professional standpoint, someone who's actually raced at Darlington. But yeah, uh, that's the only time you should be needing to hit the brakes. So, hmm. Anyway, that's my take. Josh? Oh, gosh. I downshift. When I saw this uh, replay, I was exceptionally upset. Um, because it was clear to me before before the NBC team even started breaking it down that I'm like, this was intentional. Right. I don't know what happened. If something happened, Parker, they, I don't I don't recall Dave Burns asking Parker, was there something that led up to this? Um, but, and I don't think that, I think they would have showed something. That there was, to my knowledge, there was nothing that happened in Sam in that race that would have led to, I'm going to punt this guy. He blamed it on brake issues, and he couldn't change his line. I'm like, dude, you had the whole top side to go. If you had brake issues, ride the wall, right? You know, this this is this is inexcusable. And I think and I think Parker said it best. He keeps doing dumb stuff. He does. And and here's the thing. He, I'm taking a huge shot at Sam Mayer here. Oh, he plays. He plays the baby face, innocent <laughs> little guy so well. And I, and I like to imagine in my mind, the team sat there like, crap, what did he just do? And they lean in to help him get unplugged and unhooked and everything. Like, like, you had brake issues there, right? You can't tell us you had brake issues, right? This is bullcrap. This is bullcrap. If NASCAR had a fighting ring, first off, Parker Kligerman would kick Sam Mayer's butt. Without a handicap. But this is one of those deals where, like, Parker, you get three free shots at the face. This was ridiculous. And if I'm, and I'm Parker, I'm absolutely upset. 100% upset. I think he had a... Parker is the master at keeping his composure 
um, during an interview, and I think part of that is because he actually does broadcasting on the side now as well. But he's so good uh, as, as an interviewee, and, um, and and I, I feel bad because I'm just glad the damage isn't worse. It's basically going to come down to who finishes best at Kansas. That is going to. This is going to be the most interesting part of that entire weekend. Is going to be this Xfinity Series battle, not the Truck Series transfer, not the Cup Series. This right here is going to be the most interesting part. Daniel Henrik and Sheldon Creed are essentially moving on as long as uh, on lap one, they're they're moving on, right? Uh, and will likely clinch positions after stage one. But but Sam took put Parker in such a bad spot. My goodness, and, and Parker and, and Sam absolutely drove past him on pit road because he did because he knew Parker was going on have a word with him. And it's just, that, that just is a mission of guilt. I had a very dis, if you can't tell if you can't tell if you're new or, or if you're a long time listener, I'm pretty pissed off about this. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big Parker Kligerman fan, all right, and, and I'm not ashamed wow. to admit it. But I think, but and he's a great and he's an underdog story. Like he he got cheated out of the ride with RCR last year after when Austin Hill stepped in with with fun more funding. But he's found a really good home here with Big Machine Racing. He's coming back in next year, and I, I I'm excited about that. But I want to see Parker win. I want to see Parker make the playoffs. I like to see the underdog team, the small B team, get in. Have two B teams in the playoffs would be phenomenal, right? And Sam Mayer just had to be, go out there and, and be a little twerp about it. And, and I don't get it. I absolutely don't get it. If there was a What Grinds My Gear segment instead of an outstanding performance, this would get it. This would get it. All right, next question here. Uh, Harrison Burton was noncommittal on his future with Wood Brothers Racing in an interview with FrontStretch.com. Do you upshift or downshift that Burton is racing in the Cup Series in 2024? I downshift. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that uh, they're going to move on. Um, I think that this uh, this crew chief change is kind of their last-ditch effort, just throwing something and seeing what sticks. And in all honesty, though, too, it does make sense if you think about it, because uh, if you read, I mean, the... Same crew chief Austin Cindric is working with now is the same one he won the Xfinity Championship with. So, yeah, that probably that probably makes sense, right? Um, but uh, yeah, I Harris. That's the thing. It's like, okay, Cindric won won the five hundred and then basically flamed out, right? But at the same time. It it's let's not act like it's been easy for Ryan Blaney or. And well, Joey Logano's been fine, but um, let's not act like it's been easy for Ryan Blaney. You know, like yeah, okay, he's got to win, but again, at the same time, it's like Cindric's a rookie. Blaney's been in the series for what five, six years now. Uh, he's a rookie with Chase Elliott, so this is his eighth season. Oh my gosh, can't believe it was that long ago. Yeah. Wow. How time flies. I'm old. Oh, and by the way, he did he did a bunch of part time racing a cup before. Yeah, that too. he didn't. He did. Yeah, I was. I, I remember him running in like 2014 for Penske in a 12 car. Yeah. Tw- yeah. Did Wood Brothers and and Penske racing? 
Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I it's, it's, I just have a hard time seeing Harrison back. But then the question becomes, like, who takes over the 21? I don't know. I mean, do they get a veteran? Do they get another young gun? Like, who is it? I mean, it's not... Is it, it, don't tell me. I mean, they're not going to let Matty D back, right? Uh, no, I think that that bridge got... got... Thank God. Uh, a bridge too far like Remagen. I mean, there's no way. Thank God. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I then in that case, yeah, still I downshift that one. That's pretty, pretty easy one for me at least. What about you? Um, look, well, first off, uh, to piggyback off what you said, the Krucci swap was not to benefit Harrison. It's absolutely to benefit Austin. Oh, 100%. Um, and I, I understand that we could talk about the P- Team Penske struggles. Um... But Austin has been like, where has he been? Right? At least Blaney and Logano have been in the conversation. That each have a win, but Austin hasn't been anywhere really close to the conversation. Like we expected him to come into as a rookie and be, ah, oh, this guy's gonna be the one of the ones to beat on every single road course. But he hasn't. Um, he's yeah, been he good on road courses. He's been but good. He hasn't been what we expected. But twenty three has been far worse for him, so I, I think I think it's just been a really really bad year. So this crew chief swap has absolutely been a Falcons injury. I downshift. Harrison Burton is not going to be in 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 Cup Series next year. He shouldn't have been in Cup Series last year. Well, the only reason we heard the rumor that Harrison Burton was going to be driving the Penske twenty two uh, in the Xfinity Series uh, when when Cindric was elevated, and then all of a sudden that didn't go through because Roger Penske and his many years of wisdom thought this isn't worth it when it should have been. And reality, I think Harrison would have been there had it not been Matty D shooting his mouth off. I, I think, oh, I God, think that I was, I think, I think Matty D would still been in the 21 had that not happened. So, you know, no, I don't, Harrison wasn't ready. It's proven time and time. He has his, every single driver has his, brilliance in a season and 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 harrison's had that but when it's not you're like eh, he's running 32nd mm-hmm. right it's bad and i think when you look at the open market on who's available i think you kind of got to look at zane smith yeah zane smith has accomplished far more than harrison burton I think Zane Smith's going to be in that 21 car. If Stuart Haas is going to sell both their charter, at least one charter, because if they sell one charter, they're keeping Ryan Priest, right? Tony Stewart doesn't fight this hard for Ryan Priest over Cole Custer just to dump him for Zane, right? I think Zane, if he doesn't go to the Xfinity Series, first off, where? And Ford wants to keep him. He gets got to be the 21 car. And so I think, obviously, the question is, where does Harrison go? I don't know where Harrison goes. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. But he's not going to be in a cup next year. I do not believe that whatsoever. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I down, I downshift. He will, he will be, he will be cupless in in 2024. So, uh, next one here, uh, we Rob talked about him earlier. Roman Grosjean. Uh, Roman Grosjean's only IndyCar option is to race for Dale Coyne Racing in 2024. Do you upshift or downshift this, Rob? I don't think that's his only option. I think that's a hard, hard downshift for me. I think that there's 
there's definitely other teams that would like to have him. Um, uh, you know, they, let's let's not look, man. I have said Ray Hall should downsize to two teams, but in the event that they don't, hey, Rosron would probably help, right? Yeah. I mean, you're not expecting him to win, but you're expecting him to do well, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So. I mean, you know what your expectations are, at least at that point, and all you're trying to do is get that car further up in the leader's circle standings, which it's really not right now. It's very far, far down. Uh, so I, that's, that's my take on that. I don't think, I, I, I think it's, it's, I don't think it's fair to Grosjean or his talent level to immediately say that Dale Coyne Racing is his only option, because I don't think that's true. I think that I think that he's got other he should have other people ringing his bell, ringing his phone personally. Yeah. But I mean, yes, I I mean, yes, the Andretti thing has been disappointing, but that so I can't blame all that on him. Yeah, you can't really blame it all on him. I mean, you know what you're getting with Grosjean. You're getting someone who has come very very close to winning an F1, but has never actually won an F1. Um, he scored tons of points, he's got tons of podiums, but he doesn't have a dub. So this is somebody who famously can be consistently inconsistent, but he's not going to win you any races. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you got to know what you're getting when you get Grosjean. You got to know what you're getting. Um, and I think whatever team that's out there, like if it's a Ray Hall, again, I'm just saying a name out there. Because it's the first team off the top of my head that I know is going to have an open season, open seat that's not Dale Coyne, um, that I know is going to exist at least. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think Dale Coyne is his only option. I, I, that's all, all I'll say. So, Josh, what about you? I think he's got four options. Uh, three, four options um, for 24. So I have, say, after downshift. Dale Coyne is obviously an option. Uh, you mentioned Ray Hall. I mean, as much as we think Ray Hall should go down to, to two teams, focus on that, get those two teams running well again. It seems that they have made gains and switches this year post-Indianapolis 500 embarrassment that... Oh, Bobby Ray Hall said he fired people, so... Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he, he you don't build a... I don't know how much that cost but you don't spend that much money on a facility to, to run 24th 5th and 6th in indycar um so that's a that's an option i i think you know i, I don't know again i don't know how much fun brings but ed carpenter racing's got to be an option for him you know they have an open seat but you know what what's that look like and you know what i'm gonna go out on a limb because i'm still not convinced that we're not looking at a worse situation than we've seen. Meyer Shank is is, is Pagano coming back? Is he? Yeah, we look. Is this forever going to be sort of the baseline? Are we looking at another Kerper situation where it's going to be a lengthy recovery? And I feel like we're just in, inching closer to that territory where it's just he, he's not going to be ready. And I know he's got a long off season, but we're just. Kurt Busch had a long, he had six months to recover and he wasn't ready for, wasn't going to be ready for, for 2023. So there's an option right there as well. It's sticking within the Honda family, uh, a little bit of Andretti affiliation. So, um, 
uh, as time will tell. So, um, yeah, I think those are kind of the four options to jump up. I do not consider McLaren an option. I don't think he's going to be going there. Um, and as you know, on top of my head count here, unless there's any other surprises uh, aside from the Andretti opening, obviously that I don't think there's any other openings for IndyCar next year. So I think the names I listed: Dale Coyne, uh, Ray Hall, Ed Carpenter, and Meyer Shank. Those are probably the the four options that that he's going to have. Um, whether they call him or he calls him or if they even can sit down and talk is obviously a whole other conversation. Um, but we'll find out. I do think he'll be in Indy. Um, it's just a matter of where. Uh, all right, two questions left here. Uh, Daniel Hemrick and Ty Dillon are linked to potentially replace A.J. Allmendinger in the NASCAR Cup Series at Colleg Racing if Allmendinger goes back down to the Xfinity Series for Colleg. Do you upshift or downshift this, Rob? Ty Dillon is a choice. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> That's a choice. I mean, uh, Hemrick has at least a championship. I, I mean, you got to give him that. I mean, let's let's be frank here. Let, it's not like the colleague cup program is as OP as its Xfinity program. And even then it's this year it's kind of taken a step back. Um Chevrolet in general is taking a step back in Xfinity. Well that's true. Uh I I feel like there's better free agent drivers out there, right? There have to be. And that's look, and it's not to say I like Ty Dillon. I do. I love him as a person. I think he is a wonderful human being whom I would just like to hug. But he's just not a good race car driver. He's not a cup race car driver. I don't even know if he was much of an Xfinity race car driver. So, Ty, I love you, but... Man, you are really... Really punching above your weight here if you get this colleague right. Like, ooh. All right, man. All right, buddy. Hemrick, prepare to be perpetually 25th. Hemrick will be perpetually 25th. That is probably what would happen. There's literally anyone else that you can go out and get I suggest doing that. I suggest that. So yeah, downshift in that. What about you, Josh? Well, until NASCAR uh, and the teams and the media rights come up with, hey, we have a TV rights that pay for 80% of your funding, you also got to look at where your funding's coming from. Uh, I feel like Daniel is going to bring a little bit of money. I think he's got some good relationships with sponsors. Uh, in general, Colic has great partners as well, whether it's from the college companies or other affiliate companies. I'm thinking Ty brings a sponsorship as well. However, uh, I definitely do not think Ty Dillon is the answer to a colleague problem. It's very interesting to see who's going to be the driver of the 31. Um, personally, I would love to see that car renumbered if, if to 10 if, if, if Stuart Haas gets rid of the 10 car. That's a different conversation. Um, but um, 
I have to think in a few years, one of these two college cars are going to be a Chandler Smith ride. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see who's in these cars. And, um, yeah, I mean, again, you look at who you may, we threw out Matt to Benedetto earlier. Is this an option? Um, in the Xfinity series, current Chevrolet drivers who haven't already said we're coming back? I mean, Allgaier is not going to cup. I don't think this is. A, no. I don't think that's. A, I don't think this is the answer that Allgaier is saying. Like, if I can go win races, um, then that would be super weird. Have Allgaier and Almendinger basically swap, if you will. Yeah. Um. And Mayer's obviously not ready. I just spent five minutes trashing him. He's not ready for cup. Uh, Brandon Jones. He's already said he's going back to uh, to Junior Motorsports next year. Parker Kligerman's going to stick with Big Machine. Sheldon Creed and um, uh, Austin Hill are sticking with RCR. You know, I I I just don't know who would these be. Um, I think Almondinger. Almondinger. There's the whole reason Almondinger's in this conversation. He's happier in Xfinity. This is the concern I had when they announced he was going to Cup. Right? He's happier yeah. when he's in Xfinity. The Xfinity series is healthier for having AJ Almondinger in it. The Cup series does not need Almondinger. If Almondinger was winning five races, he absolutely freaking stay in Cup. Absolutely. But he's not. I um, mean, he's got a kid on the way. Kid probably is going to be born this week, I think. Of course, they've been saying that for about two weeks. Um, <laughs> but it's like uh, Bonnie, uh, Bonnie from Family Guy. Yes. Uh, okay, he's been pregnant kind of for like six years. Either have the baby or don't. <laughs> the greatest moments in the show. Um, but you know, uh, you know, I think in Xfinity, there's nothing I love watching more than an aging Almondinger. Let's go out of the car. In, in, in celebrating a win. There's nothing more I love. So him going back to the Xfinity Series, hopefully having a couple of years there, fun, winning the championship. That'd be, it's great. It's a great move. But who does replace him? I don't know. Ty Dillon is not the answer. Daniel Hemrick is a solid choice given the market of Chevrolet drivers. Is Zane Smith going to decommit from Ford and go and go to colleague? I'm not going to put it past him. Oh, wow. Okay. I, it just, but but, but I, it's just because I don't know what's... We don't know. I think this is a driver. So, and, there, and what is else is going to be a surprise? What else is going to surprise us? I don't. So, um, you know, I, I, for this, I kind of have to do it. I'm a neutral because oh. I like Daniel and I don't like Ty. So, as a... You know, again, it's that negative and a plus cancel each other out, right? It gets you back to zero, and and you just don't know where the other options are. We don't we don't know who's in play because I think you could almost say just about anybody's in play, and there could be some more surprises, right? Yeah. Um, I th- I think that that and that's my reason. It, it's it's not very committal, uh, but I'm very non-committal like Harrison Burton was. Um, but you know, I, I, I think it's, it's just a lot of questions to be answered yet. Um, and I wish there was a, the, the 10 car in the Xfinity series for colleague was full time. So we had a better outlook on it, but we don't. Um, all right. Last question here, Rob, I can this, um, 
race control, IndyCar race control, declined decline to investigate Alex Below's blocking moves against Elio Castro Nevis. Do you upshift or down? I downshift this again, IndyCar being very uh, inconsistent with their penalties, uh, especially when it comes to blocking and especially when it comes to a track like Portland. Uh, I'm not exactly a big old fan of that, as you can imagine. Uh, uh, oh my god, I didn't like it. I didn't like the call. I thought it was pretty blatant blocking. Um, and once again, Elio doesn't get a call, blocking call go his way. Isn't Why does this keep happening? Why does this keep happening? Um, no, I, I downshift that. It's, uh, it's so frustrating. Go ahead. That, that, that's oh. all I have to say about it. I don't have much more other than should... I'm frustrated with IndyCar's consistently inconsistency. Like, I, I, that's the whole thing. That's my whole thing about it is I'm just so frustrated with IndyCar and not, not being able to do anything consistently. It's, that's all it's I difficult to watch, yeah. yeah. Here's the thing. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to throw a U.S. Legend car reference down here. Uh, Kyle McGowan, I don't think, listens to the show. Uh, he's a sales uh, manager. Uh, and he also serves as the race director at our national events. And one thing he always will remind the driver uh, of all ages and all divisions at the driver's meeting. You guys run your race. Don't make me decide the championship. Right? IndyCar did not want to stick their hand in the middle of this. Because they knew... I firmly believe that they they looked at each other and like, yeah, that was blocking, but do we really want to piss off Chip like this? Even though Chip's going to win the championship no matter what, it's Scott, it's Scott and Alex. Why did do it we matter? Really, it doesn't matter. That's the thing. If it, it, if it's a foul, it's a foul, right? The, now, yeah. to me, and I watched that live. I'm like, that was blocking. That was blocking. Absolutely. So there, to me, there was no Colin Cowherd question of, <laughs> was that a penalty? If the answer's maybe, then you don't throw a flag. This was no maybe. This was yes. This was a straight up, I saw the guy punch him. That's a personal foul flag. Right? Yeah. Alex Pillow blocked him and should have been penalized. Whatever the proper penalty is. Rob, what is the, pro- what is the penalty for that, by the way? Off the top of my head, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure it's a drive-through. I, I think believe. it is a drive-through. I can't remember if it was a if there was a if it was a time penalty or if it was a a drive-through. Um, again, mixing worlds of Formula One and IndyCar. Um, but uh, you know, if you gotta make them drive through. You drive through, absolutely, right? This IndyCar has uh, this this was two things this week. Luckily, there was no. Rex on in turn one on the restarts that led to why did this person get penalized kind of question um, that IndyCar didn't have to face this week. Um, I think the only other one that was there, there was sort of a que- question in some people's minds was the, uh, Alexander Rossi. Uh, crap, who did Alexander Rossi hit um, or come in contact with? On the back stretch there. Either way, there was only one other one that like I could have been, but it was clearly I feel like that one's maybe. And this one was clearly 
a flag. He should have been penalized. And the championship, all in all reality, should be coming down to the I mean, that's the deal. So, you know, I, I hate it. I hate that situation, but Alex Pelot's absolutely getting away with one. And, uh, again, if I'm Elio Castroneves, like, I, I was like, Scott, you can go in and talk to them first, but I'm going to go get my four Indy 500 championship trophies, and I want to then walk in and be like, listen, bud, what the heck was that call? You know? Why didn't I see him pull into the pits? I mean, this is a 100% downshift. No question about it. I just... Yeah. Again, like you, frustrating. Uh, it was a frustrating week. Uh, only matched the mood of the weather. Gloomy, uh, I might add. So, all right, Rob. Uh, that was Upshift Downshift this week. Hope everyone uh, enjoyed that. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, in uh, on our uh, on social media on 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 the Twitter sphere or the X sphere X sphere yeah. X sphere no. X S O F Twitter Twitter sphere I don't know. Uh, Rob, weekend wrap up. Take us through it. All right, in Monza uh, F three, Franco Colapinto race one, Johnny Edgar race two, champion Gabriel Bort- Bortoletto is the champion of yeah, Formula three this two. year. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, In Formula 2, Frederick Vesti and Ollie Behrman. Race 1, race 2 winners. Uh, And in Formula 1, Max Verstappen, scoring his 10th straight win, which is a new Formula 1 record. Uh, In the IndyCar series, uh, the USF Pro 2000 champion was crowned, and that uh, champion was Miles Rowe, becoming the first African-American to win a major open-wheel championship, which is huge, very good, and it shows the uh, investments that Roger Penske made into uh, the lower series and everything is paying off, and it's really cool. I actually... I saw a photo, I saw uh, Willie T. Ribs posted a photo of himself with uh, with, uh, Miles over the weekend that was really cool um i retweeted it if in case anybody's seen it but uh hasn't, hasn't seen it so that's pretty cool i can't wait to see this guy get to indycar i really hope he gets i, I know right yeah. it's gonna be cool it's gonna be great yeah. um then uh let's see here in the uh indy next indy nxt i'll call it indy nxt but the tv people keep calling it indy next it's nxt long, just but... sounds so much better too by the way well, it, because of the WWE NXT, like that's well, such a, a a household name. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah. So it it just you see NXT, you don't say next. Nobody does, yeah. right? If NXT. you really wanted it to be called Indie Next, you should have just put an E in there. Yeah. And anyway, um, so Louis Foster won the race uh, in Indie Next. Uh, and then in IndyCar, Alex Pillow clinched the championship in 2023 with one race left, uh, breaking 17 straight seasons worth of the championship going to the final race of the year. I think now there was there was a handful of people. Now there, I believe so. It's it, there's there's some conflicting things because technically, I believe the last time that happened was 2007. With Sebastian Bourdais. But some people have said also that Dan Weldon's 2005 IRL championship was the last time. So both are technically right. Yeah. You're not technically wrong by saying either or. Right. But it 
because they're, of always, the gonna, they're always gonna go with you know the the one that sounds juicier. I, Wait, what sounds better, fifteen or seventeen? I think recognizing Sebastian Bourdais' accomplishments in addition to Dan Weldon's is what we should be doing. But yeah, I don't. They, they, it's all about not murking up the water. But the diehard fans will understand the truth, right? Oh come on. Okay, look. You are not going to talk. We're talking about two of my favorite IndyCar drivers growing up here. Dan Weldon and Sebastian Bourdais. Like, literally, when I watched an IRL race, I was cheering for Dan Weldon. When I was watching a Champ Car race, I was cheering for Sebastian Bourdais. That is how it is. That is how my life was growing up. Now, I did not watch a lot of Champ Car races, but the ones that I did, I liked it when Seabass was running up front. And I liked him when he came and started running IndyCar again. And, of course, I'll always be a Dan Weldon fan. So, believe me. I'm okay with both of those guys holding such a record because both of those guys have, you know, had such a, I don't think we fully realize the impact that both of these drivers had on IndyCar racing. And I don't mm -hmm. think they it will be fully recognized. I, I don't think for another 20 years, like I'm still reeling in the fact that Sebastian Bourdais is not racing in an in IndyCar right now. Like it's very bizarre. It feels weird, but yeah. it's happening. And I still don't know how to feel about it. Um, but anyway. Anyway. Uh, let's talk about some NASCAR racing. Uh, in, in the Xfinity Series, old Denny Hamron Hamlin drove a 19. Now, I this that this is going to be a featured paint scheme in two years. I'm certain. <laughs> an, of a, of a, it is obscure Xfinity scheme. And this is going to be it. I'm actually going to look gonna that be up one. for you, Rob. I'm trying to. I wonder what numbers he will, has won at uh, uh, in the Xfinity series. So, so yeah, I don't think Denny Hamlin has ever driven car number nineteen in the Xfinity series. I know he's driven car number twenty. I know he's driven car number eighteen. Fifty-four. Yes, he's driven fifty-four before as well. Uh, but I think I'm fairly certain this was the first time he was behind the wheel of a car number nineteen. And he made a hundred and sixty-four starts. Yeah. Let's see. I don't, I don't uh, think I've seen sports clip, sport clips on number 19 since Carl Edwards retired. You're probably either. right about that. Um, Denny Hamlin has driven the uh, his first his first career start was actually in the 18. Uh, they yeah, drove 20. He drove the 32. Um, that was with Well, yep, yep. He drove the 11. He has, yeah, that was his first race with number 19. Or number 19, yeah. So therefore, so be a... therefore his first, he, he's won uh, in the 20, the 18, and uh, the 19. So he actually never He's he only never won, won the 18 and 20 prior to this. That's correct. He's always never won in, in the car number 11. In the Xfinity Correct. series, but he's won Correct. obviously because he's only ever driven the car number eleven in the Cup series. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Anyway, there you go. little uh, fun Denny, Denny Hamlin facts for you for the day. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, and then uh, gotta give it to uh, let's see, Kyle Larson. We already talked about him. He won the Southern Five Hundred. Another prestigious victory that yeah. Kyle Larson now has, and no one can yeah. take away from him. That was a great battle at the end. First of all, I think that it was a great Southern 500. Um, and then it was a great battle at the end of the race. And I'm like, you had four guys under a 1.1 seconds, yeah. you know, for, for the win there. If, if Larson yeah. screws up, which I think Dan Cliff Daniels was crying at the end. Not so much, <laughs> not so much because it was emotional. Cause like, I can't finally breathe. 
Um, right. It was uh, it was great. He moves up. Reddick's there, and and and, and Busher was like, I'm going to play it smart. You know, I'm not going to do anything to jeopardize a third place finish. And William Byron was there as well. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm. That was good. That was just in general. It was great race. Great, great race. race. I and I don't understand why anyone would want Darlington to only have one race. I don't get it. You shouldn't. Darlington should perpetually have two races, and the May race should be in the fall. It, the May race, the, the the spring race, the race in May should be held at night, and the Southern Five Hundred should be during the day. But I can tell you from experience, it's really hot at one o'clock in the afternoon in South Carolina on Labor Day weekend. Okay, well, I mean, I think I, I, if I were to want it on uh, for a, a day race on Labor Day, I would be on NBA, right? It'll, right. That's that's what sucks is that it's not it's not on NBC and yeah. um, that's what bums me out more than anything um, is that's that's on USA or it was on so that's what yeah sucks I mean me. the, the the race I mean they could have too let's but yeah let's be honest they could have if they went well yeah no they could have because we didn't we didn't have local we didn't have a six o'clock news. On Saturday, because of college football, so yeah, they didn't need to give us six o'clock news if they didn't want to. They could have totally done that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, your only con- your your only conflict was was IndyCar, but if you yep. start that race at but the IndyCar race ended at six, yes. which is when the Cup race was scheduled to go. Right. And, it would have been a lead say, in. Yeah, I, I, it been a great. Or you started you start that Cup race. The Cup race took about four and a half hours with that red flag. Right, so if you start that race at one, you're done by four thirty, or excuse me, um, five o'clock ish. You know, you know, yes. give or take there. Right, I think there's plenty of daylight out in Portland, or you know, better yet, maybe IndyCar just doesn't race on Labor Day weekend somewhere, or they race yeah, somewhere where they can run now. lights, like Gateway Sunday Night Gateway. I don't know, just an idea. Uh, we're 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 getting good. We're good getting good at making schedules for people, yeah, aren't we? We're really good at making schedules. Yeah. Uh, who's your outstanding performance for the week? Well, I got I got two, Rob, and one of them. Who 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 is this beautiful diecast of? Mm. That is a Ross the Boss Chastain. Absolutely, uh, Ross Chastain. Uh, he gets one of my nods. I mean that that was bad qualifying. Uh, perfect there as well. What was that? You you is that a hood? Yes, this is uh, there you go. old Ross cool. the Boss Chastain hood. There you go. That uh, I got when I got his uh, 2021 car. Yep. And it has yep. the little Melon Man logo on it. And because I think that that logo is just so darn cute, I love it. Cute. I'm, I'm wonderful. Chastain would appreciate it, the logo being called cute. Anyways. It's um, adorable. Don't look at this melon and say that's not the most adorable little guy you've ever seen. That's not I very want- intimidating. I don't care. I would die for this melon, Josh. I would die for this melon. All right, there you go, folks. Right there, uh, Rob Peters. Strong words from from uh, the candidate I, here. I would die for where Ross Chastain's mascot melon. Well, Ross Chastain did not qualify very well. Fought really hard. On stage, same thing, and slowly worked his way back up to to a top five finish. If you would have said. T- I mean, like his like a great day for him would be like just staying on the lead lap and finishing top twenty. 
But he finished fifth. He got to fifth, Rob. That's a great points day. That that could be the difference between him advancing to the round of 12 and not, is that effort right there. And that's what you, you got you, you to race every single lap that you can. Uh, Bubba Wallace, uh, same deal. He, I don't know what the heck happened between him and Joey. I kind of got to put the blame on Bubba on that one. Just being a little too aggressive and self and, and, and greedy. And he spun out uh, coming to the end of stage one and uh, had to come back through the field. And I think he, I think he finished seventh. I think Brad got around him there at the last, uh, last couple laps to fin- when Brad finished sixth. So Bubba got seventh. Again, great drive. That could be the difference between him advancing and not advancing in the round of 12, especially on a day where we, t- we mentioned 12 of the 16 people had issues, and really Ross and Bubba were two of those people, uh, two of those drivers that had issues. So to me, I mean, that, that's just absolutely phenomenal. You have your and uh, not everyone was able to overcome it, but they were. Um, yeah, fa- fantastic on, on, on that one as well. Oh, by the way, uh, not to, not to kind of revert back to our previous segment here. Um, who the heck was to blame for the whole Daniel Suarez, Alex Bowman deal? Who do you, who do you place the blame on there? Oh, or is it just a straight up racing incident? Oh, oh my God. That was Bowman's fault. hundred percent. I had to agree. I had to it agree. Was, I mean, like, he threw the block. He, he full, he, he, yeah, exactly. He threw a second block. You can't throw two blocks. You get one. You get Everybody one. Everybody gets one. Everybody gets one. And you've got to make your bed with it. If you block wrong, it is what it is. Yeah. Like, I, shoot, man. I. Mm, Bowman. He's, he's just mad because he's not in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. He's just mad because he's not in the playoffs. 100%. No, yeah. Suarez isn't either, but Suarez isn't either, but I don't bl- I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't like how the team did you watch the race live? Yes. I assume you did. Okay, let's just make sure. Okay, look, because I'm working, yeah. I'm going in and out of the race. Yeah. And also because I no longer have access to tweet deck, it's also yeah. even harder to follow the race when I'm not able to like sit and watch it. Because usually yeah. I would just check if I looked on the TV and you know, saw something interesting, I would just check tweet deck, and, right. you know, Pacris, Utter, whoever would be tweeting, you know, Toby Christie, whatever, uh, Chris Knight, someone's tweeting some kind of update. I don't have that anymore, so it's actually a lot harder for me to follow races when I'm working now, which yeah. is annoying as hell, because I used to be, I used to have working and watching the race down to a science, and all of that has just kind of been thrown out for for me now i kind of can only focus on like one thing and then once i finish my task then i go and i watch a couple of laps and then i finish another task watch a couple more laps you know and that's just what i have to do now and it's ugh. yeah but well, hey, just... hey at least i can i have a job where i can watch the race Correct. Work. Correct. i should be yes. i should just be be blessed for that so yeah, yeah yes yes but yeah i, I just uh, i sent you i mean just folks just um you guys can make your own judgments. We won't really talk. We won't talk about it anymore. Go watch Daniel Suarez's interview, and then watch Alex Bowman's interview. And um, yeah, I think that says it all, right there. All right, Rob, who was your outstanding performance? Uh, Graham Rahal. Graham Rahal qualified on the pole, and uh, he had a really good race. 
Um, some cautions and and and, and a not great pit stop kind of hurt him. Uh, but hey, man, props. Dude is showing speed. He's showing pace. He's he's, he's the old Graham Rahal. He's the Graham. I, I don't know. I wouldn't call him old Graham Rahal. He's the Graham no. Rahal that existed between 2015 and 2017, which is a very specific Graham Rahal in which he was literally a championship contender. <laughs> Like every single year, was consistently winning races, was consistently fast. If he's able to get back to that Grand Prix Hall, good. I'm happy. I'm looking forward to that. So we're we're seeing a Grand Prix Hall that we can at least like. Okay, this is good. We're seeing or a RL, RLL team that we see that. All right, you guys can compete. You know, good. You know, you can't you can't have 15 people finishing the top 10 in the championship, but you certainly can have, you know, a mix of 20, 25 people be great finishing in the top 10 in races across the season. And so, uh, in, in, in starting, yeah, good to see, yeah, uh, Graham Rahal. Absolutely. I, I think I was dumbfounded too. Like, wasn't Scott McLaughlin and Graham Rahal, weren't they just leading this race? What's going on now? They're back. Stuck in tenth. What? What? What happened? The um, caution. The cautions came out at the wrong time every time for did. like a lot of people. Unless Maybe. your name was Alex Pillow, the cautions yeah. fell at the wrong time every time. Yeah, they must have a crystal ball or something on that team, I guess. Um, all right. Well, that was Al before There, I'll go ahead in here. Um, it's been a while since I've done a Formula One season, so I thought I'd do a Formula One season. Um, and I, and I picked the 2007 Formula One season, uh, which consisted of 17 Grand Prix, uh, beginning with in Melbourne on March 18th and concluding at Interlagos on October 21st. Um, now we're ending the season five, six weeks after that. It's absolutely wild. (laughs) Um, Kimi Raikkonen won the opening race at the Australian Grand Prix in his Ferrari. Uh, Fernando Alonso won race two in Malaysia. Felipe Massa scored victories uh, in race three and four in Bahrain and Spain. Uh, the Monaco Grand Prix was won by Fernando. Uh, and then Lewis Hamilton uh, scored his first and second career F1 victories uh, in Montreal and at Indianapolis, uh, which was the final uh, USGP at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, Winning back-to-back Grand Prix in France and Great Britain was Kimi Raikkonen. Uh, race 10 of the year was at the Nürburgring in Germany. Fernando Alonso took home that trophy. Uh, Lewis Hamilton won race 11 in Hungary. Felipe Massa scored the win at the beautiful but horribly placed uh, r- uh, track in Turkey in Istanbul. Wish that track was, you know, just about darn near anywhere else in the world. Uh, wish we could, that's one of those deals like you could just pick it up and take it somewhere. Boom, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Anywhere would be fantastic. That was race 12 of the year. Alonso uh, won uh, race 13, Monza, uh, which is crazy to think. I think like Monza, wasn't Monza like race 14 this year? Mm-hmm. And we still have like, and we have a total of 22 races this year. Um, and, and now, you know, race 13 here, you got four left. Uh, Raikkonen in one at Spa. Uh, Fuji was on the calendar this year. Race 15, Lewis Hamilton took home that win. Uh, Reich, and then Raikkonen scored back-to-back wins, race 16 and 17 to end the season. Um, those were at uh, in Shanghai and Sao Paulo, so China and Brazil. 
And then, you know, Reichen scored a season-high six Grand Prix wins, defeated McLaren teammates Hamilton and Alonso by a single point each. And today's the most recent Ferrari driver to win the Drivers' Championship. That, to me, is a wild stat that uh, Tafosi sticking behind the Scarlet cars is great for them. I guess it's very similar to Dallas Cowboys fans. Yes, Rob's laughing because he knows what Dallas Cowboys thinking. Josh, <laughs> sorry, man. I, I, I yeah, yeah. You know, you know what's worse than that though? What? Uh, being a Cincinnati Reds fan, which I also am, and their last championship is was 1990. However, I know what you're going to say. The Mariners have never won a World Series. Yeah, but also, and speaking of the Mariners, because I was at the Mariners and Reds game today, I literally got home about two and a half hours before we recorded this podcast. So, the Mariners lost, and I'm still sad about it, and Josh, because no one else can see this, Josh is literally wearing a Reds shirt, (laughs) and he claimed that he claims he didn't know he put on when he got out of the shower— I'm calling BS. I'm telling you, Rob. I promise you, I'm smiling because I'm laughing. Because you bring this up. I did not. I just grabbed a shirt. I just went and grabbed a shirt. And a red shirt. Didn't see it. I folded them up nice in the drawer. I have like five red shirts in there. My dad's company. Okay. You know. Um, uh, do I have any other red shirts? One's a Nike shirt. But yeah, I happened to grab a, a Cincinnati Reds one. Uh, but it's it's old. It's a Brandon Phillips. Can you respect the Brandon Phillips? Okay. And, yeah. I mean, you're you're upset. I can tell. No, I'm not upset. I'm he's just upset, giving you a hard time. I'm giving you a hard time. He's up. He's up. He's upset. It's it's I, okay. It's, I just about I just about made you, you spit your whatever you're drinking on your keyboard, and that would have definitely made you upset. No. <laughs> I'm not. I I am not. An easily upsettable person. He's not, though, folks. Really, honestly, he isn't. Except, except when he's talking about certain drivers, there are certain pasts. And races that make me upset. Or, like, or officiating. Or, or, or the 2004 Tropicana 400 at Chicagoland. Oh, Casey Kane losing that one? Um, Casey Kane getting wrecked by an overly aggressive Tony Stewart on the restart while Casey King was starting on the front row. Yes, he was. He hadn't pitted. He didn't pit on the restart. That's why he was up there front. He did a track position. He pitted for track position, and also because, I think, if I recall correctly, he had, he had pitted a little bit before the caution that had come out, so he didn't need to, but he stayed out for track position. Yeah. Stewart just literally got so over-aggressive that right before they went into turn one, he made it three wide and then ran into the back of Casey, loved it, shoved him into the wall, caused a big old wreck in a turn one, and that was the first time I felt clinically depressed. Ouch. Yeah. I, I remember I told my mom, I was like, is it normal to want to die? Ouch. Yeah, I... that, that and, then, and then Tony Stewart had to go and punch me in the gut... One year later, by passing Casey Kane in the closing laps of the Brickyard. Yes, yes. In which case I went and wrote about him in my diary that he was a fat tub of lard. <laughs> All right, we're, we're, we are, we are 
learning things. Still today. love Tony Stewart now, but when he was beating Casey Kane and I was ten years old, I was not happy. I can understand that. Should I yeah, go to the right? what's in the windshield real quick? Did you did you feel the same way about like when Jimmy Johnson kept beating Jeff Gordon? I can't say, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I called him a fat tub of lard or his equivalent <laughs> to that. Um, but I, 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 um, yeah, I mean, I was definitely frustrated, but more, but, 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 but um, you know, I passed Jeff chose Jimmy. On my Jeff way chose back. Jimmy. He chose the person he was going to beat him for the next decade and a half. That's the thing that sucks. Okay. Like, yeah, I'm pointing this guy out. That's the thing that really, Stuck in the crawl. Yeah, well, Casey right. and, and Tony ran USAC together. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. All, All right, right Rob, what's in the windshield here? Um, well, we got supercars coming up in two weeks uh, for the um, crap. What race is that? I did not type it out here. The 500. What is that? Oh, the Sandown 500. Sandown 500. That's what, that's going to about two weeks here. Formula One takes a week off and they're back at Singapore. Uh, on Singapore. September 17th in the Japanese Grand Prix on September 24th. And I'm excited to see this race because it's going to be an alternate circuit with some changes due to construction. And I think it's actually improved racing at the track. So I hope they just keep it the way it is. Um, yeah, that'd, that'd be great. Uh, IndyCar takes a single week off before their finale. September 17th at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. Newly repaved. Colton Hart is going to run a tribute scheme to the only thing that's oh, ever happened oh. cool at the track. Dude, did uh, you see that Brian Hurd got in the car today? Yes, I did, actually. Oh, that's so cool! Yeah. So I think it's, a, you know, that's cool. Um, but uh, we're not going to have a championship to decide. But please, do turn tune in still uh, and watch it. And uh, Fun hopefully... Fact, Brian Hurd won the first IndyCar race I ever went to. Did you know? Is that Michigan? 2005 Michigan, Brian Hurd. That was one of no. his. I think that was. That might be his I last think one. It was his own. Yeah, I think it was his last one. But he he won that, and I still remember it because it was a relatively photo finish. So, whenever I think about Brian Herta, I get really nostalgic. So, there you go. I, 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 can, I can understand that. I don't have that really feeling because Jeff Gordon won my first race. So, I, oh, same equivalent feeling uh, uh, that you have there. Someone you didn't really cheer for. Um, what, let's go in NASCAR. Oh, and he's uh, from Michigan too. I oh, just realized that he's actually from Michigan. Herda is Brian Herda is from Michigan. Yeah, so he but got his last win home at track. Michigan. There you go. Good, good for good for Brian. Good for and Brian. It was my first race. There you go. Uh, NASCAR they move to uh, Speedway, and it's a and it's a you know quad header here. You know quadruple header. You got Arca and uh, the Craftsman Truck Series on September 8th. Uh, Arca's got, I think, four races left on the season. Um, Truck Series, this is their round of 10 finale, so they're going to cut two people off uh, after the race on Friday night. The Xfinity Series, they wrap up their regular season. I already mentioned earlier, we're going to be, you know, the, the race to watch is going to be between Kligerman and, and Herps this week. One point separate the two. Um, and, uh, one of them is going to be going home disappointed. And, um, I think either of them will be, will, will have the right to be disappointed, uh, when they're eliminated because Herps has had a real, honestly a fantastic year, just some God awful luck. 
Um, and man, you go like man, one eraser too as well. He's definitely improved each year here with, with Stuart Haas, which is great to see. Um, and you know, from a guy who's definitely bringing the funding and is considered a pay driver, but uh, hopefully he wins before the season's out, whether else or not. Um, and Kluckerman as well, you know. Uh, and then uh, the Cup Series, September 10th, Sunday. It's round two, right? Race two in the round of 16 uh, in their playoffs. So uh, nine races to go. It's hard to believe we're at that point in the year, but we've got nine races left to go. Um, pretty crazy. So uh, thank you for watching, or watching, but listening. I can't say watching. It'd be very interesting to watch this. Um, let us know what you think. Got the upshift downshift questions as well. Maybe what's your. What's your favorite Kyle Larson scheme of all time? And, you know, it doesn't have to be NASCAR. It'd be, uh, you're like, bang, he drove this sprint car, or, you know, this 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 midget car. And I'm like, oh, I really like the scheme on that. Win a winner. Let's know what your favorite Kyle Larson scheme is. Uh, make sure you subscribe, however you're listening to the whatever. Um, so you know when Rob gets the new latest episode up and running, so you don't miss it. Uh, you see it right away. And send your notifications when you wake up in the morning if you post it at 3 o'clock in the morning Eastern Standard Time. Um, some of you on the West Coast might be up early, you know, and uh, you, uh, you you see it there at midnight. Or if you're in Europe, if you're listening in over there, uh, you know, you'll, already, you'll, you'll see it in the morning when you're over there. So it's on your lunch break. Yeah, you're getting close to your lunch break. Uh, social media is here. Uh, Rob, uh, on uh, the uh, site formerly known as uh, Twitter uh, currently. That's what I've at, been calling it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, he's R Peters thirty three. That's R P E E T E R S thirty three. The show's at Robin Roller R O B A N D R O L L E R, and I am at Roller underscore zero one R O L L E R underscore zero one. So, uh, thank you for listening again today. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. Under two hours this week. Uh, it's going to be a fun, action-packed weekend at Kansas, so we'll have plenty to talk about there. Hopefully, some maybe some disappointed, uh, heated uh, moments, and uh, uh, that will fill the upshift, downshift next week in the news. Hopefully, we'll have some with between IndyCar, Formula One, and NASCAR. Well, that's starting to shape up, so uh, hopefully, a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to wrap the show up here right now. Peters, I'm Josh Fuller, and this has been the Racing with Podcast. Have a great Kansas week, everybody.